Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 7. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 7. We are continuing with our series of the Millennial Kingdom. The thousand year reign of Christ. And as we're exploring the millennial kingdom. We've already talked about the events leading up to the millennial kingdom. Talking about the tribulation. We talked about the rapture. And now as we're beginning to talk about the nuts and bolts of the millennial kingdom. We have to take time to explain the covenants. The reason why is that the covenants explain why we have the millennial kingdom in the first place. That God made certain covenants or promises concerning the Hebrew people that still must be fulfilled and it will be fulfilled during the 1000 year reign of Christ. So far as we've explained the covenants, we talked about the Abrahamic covenant. That in the Abrahamic covenant, God promised Abraham a people forever. And that the Abrahamic covenant is the seedbed for all the rest of the covenants. We took time to explain the Palestinian covenant or the land covenant that God God promised the Hebrew people that they would possess the land forever. And they have never obtained all of the land that God promised them. During the millennial kingdom, they will have possession of that land. Now we come to another covenant tonight. And it is found in the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 7. The book of 2 Samuel chapter 7. And if you don't mind, let's start in verse number 12. The book of 2 Samuel chapter 7. And notice with me in verse number 12. And when thy days be fulfilled. And thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. I will set up thy seed after thee. Which shall proceed out of thy bowels. And I will establish his kingdom. And he will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be his father, and he will be my son. And if he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established Forever, according to these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak to David. And in this passage here, we have another covenant, another promise that God made concerning the throne, concerning the promises. And we commonly call this the Davidic covenant, the Davidic covenant. So David and then I see Davidic covenant. And with the Lord's help, let's pray and then we'll explore this Davidic covenant. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, we're just asking that you would give us wisdom and that you would give us discernment. 
That you would just help us as we explore this covenant. And we see the promises that you made to your servant David. That we would also be able to see the interpretation, the application. That we would see everything and understand that this is King Jesus. And that we ourselves would look forward to the thousand year reign of Jesus here on this earth. And that we wouldn't even wait till that time. But we'd willfully submit to your authority even now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And you guide and direct this message as you see fit. That you can get your own work accomplished tonight. And we love you. Thank you again for letting us be here. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. The Davidic Covenant. Now, as we examine this text, what has happened is that David is still pretty fresh of being king. He's uh, ruled probably about uh, seven or so years. If you remember history, that David was uh, <laughs> the shepherd boy that God had anointed to be king while Saul was king. And that David had a run for Saul for many years. After Saul died, David became king over Judah. While one of Saul's sons became the king of the northern kingdom. After seven years of fighting and battling, David obtained both the sides of the kingdom. So all 12 tribes was united under him. And it was shortly after this that God pulled David aside and said, David... I got some good news for you. I'm making you a promise. You're very special to me. And I've got a special plan for you. Let me tell you what this is. And so if you don't mind. First of all we want to examine the provisions of the Davidic covenant. The provisions of the Davidic covenant. Notice with, excuse me, notice with me again in verse number 12. And when thy days be fulfilled and thou sleep that's a nice bible way saying that he's dead shall sleep with thy fathers i will set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels and i will establish his kingdom now in this promise right here david has some children but he doesn't have the children a child that is Yet to be born. And so this prophecy here says. Guess what David. You are eventually going to have a child. And the child that comes out of your bowels. He is going to rule your kingdom. So David is getting a promise. That he is going to have a child. That's going to inherit the throne. Who is going to succeed him. And is going to establish the throne. Notice something else that it says here. In verse number 13. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So here's some more tenets. That first of all, David is going to have a son. It's not yet born yet. But David is going to have a son. Second of all, this son is going to build God a house. And of course, we know who the son is. We know we have the hindsight of history. This is going to be Solomon. That Solomon is going to come. He's going to be born some other time after this. David hasn't yet even met Bathsheba. But one day he's going to have a son by the name of Solomon. And Solomon is going to become king. And one of the things that Solomon is going to do is that he is going to build the tabernacle. Or from the tabernacle, he's going to build the temple. And so out in Mount Moriah, Solomon is going to build this temple. And it's going to be a beautiful temple. He's going to take the dimensions of, 
of the tabernacle and he's going to enlarge them. And then what he's going to do is he's going to encase the whole thing in gold. So that way when you approach Jerusalem, the sun would shine off the golden structure. and It would be just like a reflection of God's glory shining from Jerusalem. That if you were to build that temple in today's mon- uh, monetary society, it would cost $500 billion to build. Now that's quite a structure, isn't it? It's going to be one of the ancient wonder, or one of the wonders of the ancient world. And God is telling David that, guess what? You are going to have a child. And the child that's yet to be born, he's going to become king. And when he becomes king, he's going to build me a house. Now, God already knows all this. David doesn't. He's listening to this. Wow, this is great. He doesn't know what Solomon's going to do. He's not going to be alive when Solomon builds this temple. But God's saying, I'm going to tell you some things that are going to happen in your future. Notice what else? He said, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, this is a big deal because David just took over the throne from King Saul. That according to the way that things were supposed to go, that if Saul stayed right with God, that if Saul died, his son Jonathan would have ruled. But because Saul turned his back away from God, the kingdom was rent from him, torn from him, and given to David. So David has already seen God take away the throne from someone else. So this is good assurance to him that God is saying, David, I'm letting you know I am not going to tear the throne away from your family. This is some comfort to a king that his family line, his dynasty is going to last. They're not going to be killed off. They're not going to be cast aside. But his dynasty is going to last. And God says forever. And so the throne of his kingdom. Shall be established forever. Notice again in verse number 14. And I will be his father. And he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity. I will chasten him with the rod of men. And with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from thee. Verses 14 and 15 said, hey, now this isn't free license. I promised that you're going to have descendants always rule on the throne. However, they don't have a blank checkbook. They can't get away with whatever they want. If they do wrong, I'm going to chasten him. I'm going to take him outside the woodshed. I'm going to try to correct behavior. So I'm, I'm, he doesn't have a blank check. But I'm not going to have someone, another family, replace your family line for this throne. So again, he's telling David, David, you can just imagine the young shepherd boy. He's still freshly king. He's still a new king and almost wide eyed going, wow, God, this is great. This is amazing. This is wonderful. Notice in verse number 16. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Now, what is happening is that God has sent the prophet Nathan to go tell David all of these wonderful things. And he makes a promise. And here is the, this, the telling to David. Now, in the Bible... It develops this a little bit further. So first of all, we saw the provisions of this covenant. Another thing I'd like to show you is the covenant restated 
and confirmed. The covenant restated and confirmed. And we can see that the covenant is repeated several different times. But I want to show you two specific times. First of all, we look in the book of Psalm. Psalm 89. So if you don't mind, take your copy of the word of God. And look with me in Psalm 89. And let's see as God confirms this covenant. Reminds people about this covenant. uh, Puts emphasis on this covenant. Notice with me in Psalm 89. God is encouraging David and letting David know uh, in first or second Samuel chapter seven, he's giving them all this information. Now, years later, God is using <laughs> restating um, to the people of that time a little bit later in history and encouraging them that God made this promise. Notice with me Psalm 89, and notice with me in verses 3 and 4. Psalm 89, 3 and 4. <laughs> it says in verse 3, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant, thy seed will I establish forever, and build up thy throne to all generations. So again, this covenant is restated And it's confirmed. This is true. Notice with me in Psalm 89 a little bit later in the psalm. And notice with me in verse 34. Psalm 89 in verse 34. Still talking about this Davidic covenant. This promise that God made for him. Notice with me in verse 34. My covenant will I not break. Nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness. That I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon, as a faithful witness in heaven. Now, what's so interesting about this is that time has passed. That King David did have a son who ruled after him by the name of Solomon. Solomon had a son by the name of Rehoboam. Rehoboam had a son and on and on it goes. All the way until we get to the boy, a man by the name of jo, um, jo, excuse me, jo, excuse me, I'm trying to say the name, Jehoiachin. And many of you remember in the book of Jeremiah that Jehoiachin was not a good guy. That God said, I'm done with you. You had Zedekiah who was part of that line. Who aggravated God so much that he took the penknife and he cut up God's word. Then you had Jehoiachin that God says, man, count this guy childless. I curse anyone who is blood related to him and sitting on the throne. And so they were put into Babylonian captivity in 586 B.C. King Nebuchadnezzar came and they took the people hostage. They took the king hostage and they brought him to Babylon. And for 70 years, these people were in Babylon. And finally, they were released in 536 B.C. by the Persian Empire to go back and to reestablish, to rebuild the temple, and then eventually the walls around Jerusalem, and then Jerusalem itself. Now, when the people came back to Jerusalem, they did not have a king. The king was still Nebuchadnezzar, and then later on, it was Cyrus and the Persian Empire. And so this psalm is written during the time of the Persian Empire, reminding all the people that God made David a promise. 
that David would have a son that would rule forever. Now, at this time, they don't have a king currently ruling. So how does this work? How is this fulfilled? Well, with this, let's see what the Bible has to say about this. Let's look at the New Testament interpretation. The New Testament interpretation. Notice with me in the book of Acts, chapter number 2. The book of Acts, chapter number 2. This promise is fulfilled in so many ways, in so many passages, but I'm going to just limit it just to a couple, so that way we could just get the idea of what is being across here. Notice with me in the book of Acts, chapter 2. The book of Acts, chapter number 2, we see that Peter is preaching a message. And in the midst of this message, notice what God's, uh, Peter says under as God is filling it with the Spirit to preach to the people. In Acts chapter 2, and notice with me in verse number 29. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 29. It says, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was neither left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Now what's happening is they're tying a couple prophecies together. That first of all, they were tying a prophecy that Jesus Christ would not stay in the grave, that he would be crucified, and then on the third day risen up, uh, risen again. That happens a little bit earlier than the passage that we read, that it said that God would not allow his Holy One to suffer corruption, which means that Jesus' body had to be in the grave less than three days. We've covered that before. But it also says another reason why Jesus had to raise, be risen from the dead, is because God made David a promise. That God was going to have Christ, the word Christ means Messiah, so the promised one, the anointed one, the one of prophecy, that God was going to have Christ, who was a descendant of David, he had to rule and reign forever. Now if Jesus died and stayed buried, guess what? He can't rule forever. But let me tell you what the good news is. That Jesus died on the cross and he was buried. But on the third day, Jesus Christ rose from the grave and he's alive forevermore. This Jesus who is now risen will never die. He will never grow old. He will never get diseased. This Jesus will rule and reign forever. How can he? Because he's risen from the grave. He's already died and he'll never die again. And because of this, because he rose from the grave, he will rule forever. Just like God promised. That God promised from David that a descendant was going to come and rule and reign forever. Jesus Christ rose and he will rule and reign forever. Notice with me in the gospel record of Luke chapter number one. 
the gospel record of Luke chapter 1, we could see even more of this prophecy being revealed, uncovered, shown that it is the Lord Jesus Christ. In the gospel record of Luke chapter number 1, what is happening is that the angel pulls aside Mary. Now, again, use your divine imagination. Mary is a young girl, probably about 14 years old. She's uh, contractedly um, obligated to be married, meaning she has a fiancé, and she's planning on getting married one day, but an angel pulls her aside and says, Good news! You're going to have a baby! What just happened? (laughs) And so the angel is telling Mary... And notice what the angel tells Mary at this time in verse number 31. In Luke 1 and verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of Of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So the angel pulls aside Mary. Mary doesn't know what's going on. And saying guess what you're blessed. You're going to have a baby. And God's the one who did this. And this baby that you're going to be. That's going to be born. He's going to be God. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the anointed one. And guess what? God is going to give the child that's now conceived inside of you. He's going to give him the throne of David. And he's going to rule forever. Now that's some big news for a little girl to to hear about and go, wow. What's going on now? And so... God himself sent an angel. So that way no one has misunderstood. It's not some guy's opinion. An angel said, this is the seed of David. And by the way, this is why the genealogies are so important. Remember, God told David that from your bloodline, from your lineage, you will have a descendant who will rule forever. And so in the gospel record of Matthew chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, but we start off with a lineage. And in this lineage, it shows the, excuse me, it shows the kingly line of David. And so it goes from David and it goes to Rehoboam and it goes on down that list and it continues on all the way up until we get to Joseph, the husband of Mary. And we can see that if they had a king during Jesus' time or during Mary's time, that Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, would have and should have been the king. But if you also remember that God put a curse on anyone that was blood related to Jehoiakim, who would sit on the throne. So what happened is the kingly line ran through Joseph, but Joseph was the stepfather. So Jesus inherited the throne from his stepfather, Joseph. But the promise said not only would Jesus inherit the throne, he would also be blood-related to Joseph. 
And so what we find in the gospel record of Luke is that we have another genealogy that runs through David, but it veers off and goes through another descendant. And we can see that Mary is blood related to David. And thus Jesus is blood related to David, filling all the prophecies that Jesus was blood related to David and he inherited the throne of David by both lineages crossing. Isn't that amazing what God did? Is he, was, he kept track of who's who all throughout history. And then right at the right time, Mary and Joseph, they're planning on getting married. They said, Joseph goes and says, Mary, you're a great girl. Will you get married with me? And she says, sure. And they get ready to get married. And God says, I planned this all. I already had this arranged. And then Jesus Christ is blood related to David. He inherits the throne. He dies on the cross for our sins. And then he goes up to heaven. Why did he go up to heaven? Because the first time he came on earth, he came to die. The second time he came was not to die, but to rule. And so when Jesus Christ comes back, he is coming back to establish his earthly kingdom and to rule for 1,000 years, just like God promised and that Jesus Christ is going to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that every knee shall bow every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord that all nations will have to obey his call that we as the redeemed saints will help him in his kingdom we are going to be the ones assisting him and working for the government in that time that it will be King Jesus so if King Jesus is going to be king then, let me ask you a question now. Is he your king now? Now, this is a different question than is he savior? We already know that you should know for sure that are you 100% sure if you die today that you would go to heaven? That everyone needs to accept Jesus Christ as their savior for forgiveness of sins. But it is a different thing altogether to say that Jesus Christ is my savior than to say Jesus Christ is my king. What does it mean to be king? To be your king, that means he's your authority. To be your king, that means you are submissive to him. To be the king, that means what he says, you do. Let me give an example. That if Jesus Christ was here right now... And he gave you a command. Would you say, ah, I'll do that eventually when I feel better. You know, if Jesus was here and he says, you know what? You need to read your Bible every day. You say, that's probably a good idea. I'll do it if I feel like it. Is that the response you would give to King Jesus? What if you saw Jesus said, you know what? I love the church so much that I gave myself for it. I want you to be in church as often as you possibly can if you're not providentially hindered. And you say, you know, that sounds really good. I probably should do that if I feel like it. Is that how you would respond to King Jesus? If Jesus says, I want you to go out and I want you to tell everyone that I'm king. You say, you know, it doesn't feel like a good day to me. How about tomorrow? What about next week? Is that what you would respond to King Jesus? You understand when he is king that what he says you say yes sir and you submit yourself to his authority. One of the problems that we do have in America is that we don't have a king. That's not a problem. But the problem is that we don't usually don't know how to respond to a king. 
that it's a foreign concept to us. That if the king says something, our response is immediately, yes, sir, and get it done. So the question is tonight is not is Jesus Christ your personal savior. And by the way, if he is not your personal savior, we'd love to take the Bible and show you. We want to ask you tonight, is Jesus Christ your king? Meaning that if he tells you something to do, that you do it without question with a submitted heart. Now, it's easy to nod your head. Let's make this practical. You understand that the word of God is the very words of God. And that when you open up the Bible, it is just as if. Jesus Christ himself was telling you from his own lips. And one day we're going to stand in account. And we're going to stand before the king. And he will judge us on how well we obeyed him. You see, as the Bible speaks to us, it is just as if he gave us a command from his own lips. That is what I mean by, is Jesus Christ your king? If he was to tell you something, would you say, yes, sir? The Bible says that we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. That is a command from Jesus saying that we are to study our Bibles. If King Jesus came to you in bodily form. And said study your Bible. Would you say I don't feel like it. Well you understand. It is the same exact thing. Is he king. The Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 10 verse 24. It says forsake not. The assembling of ourselves together. It basically says. Go to church every time the doors are open. If you possibly can. If you're not providentially hindered. So, if Jesus himself says, I want you to go to church every time the doors are open, would you say, hmm? Well, you understand how we respond to the Bible is exactly how we uh, answer to King Jesus. The Bible says to preach the gospel to every creature. If Jesus was to say, hey, I am king, I'm alive, I'm going to rule forever, I want you to go tell everyone every creature would you say it doesn't work well for me you understand the bible does tell us that and it is just as if jesus was standing in front of you so the question is tonight is not is jesus christ your savior and i hope he is the question tonight is he your king because one day you will answer before him And everything the Bible says is just as if he was there physically telling you those things. That is how we're going to be judged. Did we obey what he gave us to do? The Bible has so many other commands. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. How's your prayer life? Jesus gave us a prayer request in the book of Matthew. It says to pray for laborers into the harvest field. Are you obeying his command to pray for laborers? The Bible says so much. It says in Hebrews 13, 17. To obey them that, gave the, that 
have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for this is unprofitable for you. You see, that's just as if Jesus was standing here and said this. Is Jesus Christ king over you? Are you allowing him to be king? Do you submit to him as if he was king? And so the question I want to ask you tonight, knowing that Jesus Christ is the king that God promised. He is from the line of David. He is blood related to David. He will rule for 1,000 years. Why don't we allow him to rule now? Is he king of your life? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.